I'm Sharon Betters, and this is the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And I am so excited that we are going to be talking today about motherhood, shame, regret, and a pathway toward healing. My guests today are Barbara Giuliani and Jane Ann Wilson. Barbara and Jane are both mothers and grandmothers, as am I. So we have a lifetime of experiencing those very things of struggling with shame and regret as parents. They both are very passionate about ministry and I'll tell you a little bit about them later on in our conversation. But I wanna welcome you both, Jane Ann and Barbara. And before we get started, I'd like to hear something about your lives. You tell us about what brings you joy and how you spend your time. Jane Ann, why don't you start? Okay, well, my most recent joy is a little um, grandbaby that was born to our son in Virginia, son and his wife and her big brother um, in Virginia. And then we have um, some grandchildren too granddaughters in Florida. So that's how we spend our life when that's what brings us joy. And we also enjoy lots of opportunities to serve minister in the covenant community. But I am from Delaware. So that's where I'm supposed to be when I'm not visiting grand grandchildren. And how about you, Barbara? Like Jane Ann, I'm a mother and a grandmother. I have 10 grandchildren with one on the way. My husband's a pastor, so I'm also a pastor's wife, and I work full-time as the editorial director at New Growth Press. My family brings me a lot of joy, and spending time with my grandkids is probably the most fun that I have. I also really enjoy seeing resources come to life. It really is a privilege to work with authors and hear their ideas and help them form something and then see it get out there into the wide world and be a blessing to people. So I do have a lot of joy in that. I like to garden too. (laughs) But you're kind of acting like a midwife, helping uh, bring about the birth of a new book. Authors are giving birth to their ideas. And I know that can be very challenging, but so exciting, especially when when an author holds that book in their hands. So we're grateful for you for being that person. So we're going to jump right into our topic. Uh, As I said, we're going to be talking about motherhood and shame and regret. And anybody who has been a mother understands immediately what we're talking about. So moms often feel guilty. I know I have. I have four children and 14 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. Let's face it, when we're parenting, kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to be deliberate and intentional in their misbehavior at times. They're going to make bad choices. Why do you think mothers feel guilty when that happens? And Janie, I'd like to start with you uh, because I want you to share a little bit about your story and why you have experienced those kinds of feelings. Well, I will never forget the day that my father drove his little truck into our driveway in the middle of the day, and I went out to meet him, and I saw in his face that everything was about to change. And I greeted him, and he said, she's gone. Two words. I'll like, never forget. And we had been struggling for years with our child. She had turned 18, and she wanted to be independent, and so she was becoming harder to manage. So we hoped Letting her live with her grandfather would give her some space, but 
Later that summer, she left and chose to go the opposite way. So, you know, I'm usually a pretty hopeful person, but I was hopeless that mm. day. I, I'm usually a pretty determined person. I, I had no idea what to do. I was hopeless. I was helpless. Not having control of my child was terrifying. And I was in that place for a while, just wallowing in grief and shame. Every nerve was on end as I looked for something to soothe the pain that I felt from disappointing God. I I felt that I had failed God on one of his most important missions for me to raise this child for him. And I was sure everybody else knew how I had failed. I, I felt attacked you know, by my child's behavior. I was furious with her, but at the same time, I was so fearful and feeling desperate to help her. I was a mess. I wanted to run away and hide. So that's part of my experience with with shame and guilt in my mothering journey. Well, one of the reasons we're having this conversation is because we talked, Barbara, with you about being a prodigal child. You co-authored a book with your dad, Jack Miller, Uh, called Comeback Barbara, where you tell your story of being a prodigal child and finding uh, the hope and the peace of the gospel eventually, but after years of struggle. And so we talked a little bit about after the interview, we talked about the shame of parenting and what your parents must have felt. And we do, do address that a little bit in the first part. So I highly recommend that if you haven't heard it yet, make sure that you listen to part one of this conversation. But so your life gives you a platform for recognizing immediately some of the things that Jane Ann is talking about. So do you think that there is a difference between healthy shame and fear? I mean, is there such a thing? I mean, should Jane Ann have felt fearful and shameful or was this unhealthy shame and fear? And what's the difference? I don't know if I would frame it as healthy or unhealthy. I would think I would say that when Jane Ann was in the situation that she was in, that those would be natural human responses. And then the question is, what do you, what do, you do with those natural human responses? I think um, moms are pretty involved with their children's lives. <laughs> you know, we carry them if, you know, if there are biological children or if there are adopted children, we're still carrying them. And we are responsible when they are infants, we're responsible for whether they live or die. Like without us, they're not going to make it. It's a huge responsibility. And as moms, it's a big change to step into that responsibility. Like, you know, I don't, I think some people are like better at just stepping into it. I wasn't, I was pretty much taken by surprise by the whole thing. (laughs) But so it's a big adjustment. And But I think just a big adjustment is to actually step away from that responsibility at the appropriate time, say, this is now like the Lord's responsibility. Like I've, you know, I've done all these things, but changing a human heart is only something that the Lord can do. So, but I mentioned that that huge responsibility to say with that big responsibility comes a burden of doing it wrong. You know, all of us know what it feels like to have a sick child and be like, should I take him to the doctor now? Like it's, it feels like it's all on you. So um, it's hard to avoid that when your child does something wrong, to not feel like that too is all on you. I think that the way forward is always to think about 
what does the gospel say about these things? What does it mean that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died in our place, rose again, and now is ascended and praying for his people on high, giving his spirit? Like, what do those big macro truths have to do with my micro shame and guilt? So I think the first thing is that we can all find things that we did wrong when we raised our children. And so you can just ask for forgiveness for those things. And then you can believe in the forgiveness of sins. And you can reject Satan telling you about all of your sins and failures because they are not, they're not important anymore. You know, they really are covered by the blood of Christ. And um, so that, that's an important thing. If you have specific things, I'm sure, Jane Ann, you've had specific things you felt badly about. I have four children. I have specific things that I feel badly about. And I can just take them, those things, to the foot of the cross. At the same time, I take my children there as well. In my mind's eye, I often picture just picking them up and taking them to the cross and leaving them there for Jesus to help them. So I think the Guilt is I did something wrong, and that's covered by the blood of Christ. We see shame actually for the first time in the garden when Adam and Eve felt ashamed because they had sinned against God and moved out of their perfect life. (laughs) Everything was going good for them. Um, And um, also, just as an aside, I might point out that they had a perfect parent, Adam and Eve, And went badly wrong. And I don't believe God took responsibility for that. (laughs) So that's also a good thing to remember that our perfect parenting would not guarantee, if we could be perfect parents, it would still not guarantee a perfect outcome in a world where people go their own way and not God's way. But anyway, Adam and Eve felt shame because they became wrong in that moment. And that's the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did wrong and shame is I am wrong. And the Lord covered them with animal skins. And then he sent his own son to cover them with his blood so they would not ever be wrong. Those who believe in Jesus are not essentially wrong anymore. But the other important thing about shame, and I learned this from Ed Welch's book, Shame Interrupted, and he has another little book coming out called a devotional called The Small Book About Why We Hide, which is a sort of a layman's view of regret, failure, shame, and worthlessness. (laughs) We're really fun topics. But in any case, there are things that we all struggle with, and it's why we hide, and also why we might hide you know, we don't want our neighbors, our friends, our church community to know about our children either because we are ashamed. But in that, he said, we also feel shame when people have done wrong to us. And that's another natural human reaction. But it's also one that we can say that Jesus heals. So in the Old Testament or the biblical times, if you touch something that was unclean, you were unclean. But when Jesus came, whatever he touched that was unclean, he made clean. So his touch is cleansing. And I think it's good to identify that when our children do things wrong, and especially when they do things wrong to us, that shame is a natural reaction to it. But it's also something that Jesus can cleanse and heal 
kind of a complicated thought, but um, worth thinking about and worth reading Ed's book, actually, Shame Interrupted. I'll make sure and have a link to that on our website at markinc.org. That's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. And you're listening to a conversation with Barbara Giuliani and Jane Ann Wilson on the Help and Hope podcast uh, that Mark Inc. Ministries produces. And as I'm processing what you're saying, uh, Barbara, I think it's freeing what you're saying, but I'm imagining myself that, okay, I've realized that one of my children has made really bad decisions. and I, my conclusion is I'm the bad one. I, I'm bad. Mm-hmm. I'm bad all the way through because mm-hmm. my child made these choices and I'm responsible for teaching them th- to make the right choices. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing you say is that's, that is shame when we feel that way. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm not getting No, that. that's correct. And then, but there is guilt, which is maybe I did do wrong things Mm -hmm. that I can take to the Lord. I can experience forgiveness. I own it. I acknowledge it, perhaps even apologize to my child Mm -hmm. and seek their forgiveness. Uh, But then that's gone. I have to Mm -hmm. let that go. So how does a mother know if she is carrying around unhealthy shame versus you know, the grieving that you said, it's right. Jamie was right. The grieving that's natural. Of mm-hmm. course, she's brokenhearted. She's going to grieve. A mother is going to be brokenhearted over the mm-hmm. choices that her children make. But how can, how, what, are there any checkpoints that you would say, okay, this is where you're, you're going on a pathway that God never wanted you to go mm-hmm. as a mother? I think um, one thing that might highlight to us that we have not understood in a deep way, the forgiveness and cleansing that Jesus provides for us is that we want to hide. You know, we, we don't want our friends to know. We don't want other family members to know. And I'm not talking about inappropriate confidentiality, but I'm talking about that sense of like, I don't want people to know this. There have been things that um, I didn't really want people to know. I didn't want them to judge me and my family. I didn't want them to think that my husband wasn't a good pastor. You know, all these things. So I think that is a good indication. You know, guilt and shame can feel very very much alike, but shame is a more global feeling. Guilt is, I wish I wouldn't have said that this morning, you know, but shame is everything about my relationship with this child is broken and messed up. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like a more sort of a global judgment. And once you're stuck there, that is another indication. I think one thing that's been helpful for me, I think shame has a voice and it's the voice of Satan telling you that you failed and that it's your fault. And that if you had been a better person or if you had done things in a better way, there would have been a better outcome. And I think that it's important to identify that voice as not Jesus's voice. That is not how Jesus talks to his children. So what, when, when I feel shame, perhaps this is what I'm feeling, I'm desperate to fix it. I'm desperate to do something. And so as the mother, I might make decisions rooted in shame that it's not where I should be. Can you speak to that? Speak to that mother who might be acting out of shame as she's parenting her child through something? You know, I don't think there's any real formula 
for how to deal with these things. But I think it's good to assess what we want to do next. Paul says, I think I talked about this in the last podcast that Paul says in Philippians 1, whatever I do, I want to do out of the gospel. I think it's good to take a moment instead of um, mothers are doers. Most of us anyway, right? We want to do something. I just was telling you about how my husband was like, you're still a micromanager. I am like, is everybody happy? Do you want this? Do you want that? How about this, honey? I think that if at all possible, it would be good for us to take a moment to reflect before we spring into action about what is the path of love. Paul Tripp has these uh, two circles. He talks about this in Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. The circle of concern, which is a big circle. I think this is a very helpful picture for me, so I hope it is for others. So in the big circle, let's imagine your parenting concerns. You throw them all in there, write them all down. And then you put inside that big circle, a much smaller circle in the middle. And in there, you would put in those things that you are directly responsible for. So that can help you sort out like, okay, I want my child to have a happy marriage. That's a a concern. Definitely pray about all your concerns. Is there something you can do to make that happen? I'm going to guess no. (laughs) I don't know though. But if you have something direct to do, like an encouraging word or something like that, you could definitely put that in your little circle. But I think to sort of parse out, like, here's a small step of love versus here's all our concerns that we bring to the Lord. I think that can be helpful. And um, I also think, how does your Christian community help you with this? And I think finding those folks who can speak the words of Christ to you is really, really important. I remember one of my children as a young adult was struggling and I thought that this child, I actually thought that this child was having a nervous breakdown and I still think that that's what was happening. I said to a young woman in my church, might cry when I say this, this is about 10 years ago. And I said to her, she asked how this child was doing. And I said, I, you know, that I thought that they were losing their mind basically. And I said, and of course, it's just what I deserve. And she said to me, God would never talk to you like that. Mm -hmm. I think we have to learn to talk to each other like that. That's beautiful. And I'm almost speechless. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. God would never talk to you the way that you're talking to yourself. So that, what, what a good, that, that is a takeaway. I hope many of you who are listening are going to take that with you today and throughout whether you're parenting or any, any place where you're feeling less than and worried and um, scared and ashamed, think about how, how is God talking to you? And it's not probably the way you're talking to yourself. I think about um, the idea of apologizing to our children. You hear that a lot, that we need to own our sin and apologize to our children. First, what do you think about that? Both of you, you can jump in here. And if we apologize, is there a pretty good chance that's going to change our children? Because I think sometimes we think that way, you know, I'm apologizing. So you need 
to behave now because I apologized. What do you think about that practically? Well, I think that is sounds manipulative. <laughs> so I think that when, when God moves in our hearts to seek forgiveness, it's not something that we're looking for a certain result from it. We know we need to communicate that. And it's almost with anticipation and joy, at least that was my experience. Like I can't wait to seek because I can mm. see this pain that it caused. And I want her to know I'm sorry for that. And that's the result. Yeah. I think that we should never underestimate our ability to use anything in the Christian world for our own ends. Mm. So it's so human and it's so wrong. We can be so blind to it, put like a little Christian veneer over everything we do. And underneath it is still just a mom trying to make sure she gets what she wants from her child. The second to last chapter in Come Back, Barbara, is about control, your control versus God's control. And it's really, I should probably make it into a mini book. It's such a good chapter. I mean, my father wrote it. So (laughs) I've had quite a few people take exact phrases from Come Back, Barbara that my father said to me and repeat them to their child. And tell me with amazement that it made no difference to their child. (laughs) I'm like, well, didn't really, I don't really know why it would. So yes, I think asking for forgiveness is, how could that ever be wrong? But attaching that to an expectation that your child is going to change is that would be wrong. And it doesn't have a good outcome as far as I've ever seen (laughs) Well, let's talk about our children. I mean, we're kind of looking at us as manipulating our children, trying to use a good thing, a Christianized thing to manipulate our children. But then our children who try to convince us of something that is wrong, we believe it's wrong. They want to believe it's right. They try to convince us that it's right. They're very unhappy and sad, and they they are equating your disapproval of their decision with your love, then you must not love me uh, if you do not accept these decisions that I'm making, even though I know all your life you've believed these decisions would be wrong. You don't love me. How does a parent respond to that? Because I can imagine there's a lot of dealing with the shame of you're not parenting me well, the guilt of, oh, I wonder if if they are right. Uh, Maybe I have been wrong all my life. Mm -hmm. Possibility. But how does a parent help their children understand this does have something to do with love, but not the way that you think? You know, I think as I think a lot of being a parent is just accepting that your children aren't going to understand. I think that's what being a parent means in some way. Like you're making choices, just like God makes choices for us that we don't understand. And we from the time our child is born, we're making choices for them that they may or may not like. Like, I'm going to let you cry because of this reason. I read a whole really interesting article in the Atlantic Monthly about parents being unwilling to let their children experience, like ever say no to their children because they didn't want to have their children upset with them and how it was just made for more and more anxiety in their kids. And they tried to manage the anxiety by giving them whatever they wanted. It was 
fascinating. I'll send you the link, uh, Sharon and Jamie, and when um, this is over. I think you just have to be, your relationship with the Lord has to be sufficient to cover the fact that your child is not going to always understand. But there is no substitute for a constant moving towards your child, because that's what they'll remember. And I think that it's even harder today with issues around gender and sexuality, where it really feels like those feelings can be so deeply felt that they are, they feel like they're part of your child's identity to them. So it feels like you're rejecting them if you don't agree with those choices. And you can't really step away from that or convince them otherwise with your words, but you can continue to enfold them into your life as much as, as much as they will allow. And I think love wins. I like what you said about moving toward your child and that's good counsel and teaching for any relationship, maybe very tiny steps, tiny ways, but always be praying specifically, even though I feel this wall or I feel this, this hand up that they don't want me near them, but I, how can I move toward them today? So yeah, I love that. What do you think, Jane, about that? about um, the idea of your child says, you don't love me unless you agree with everything I'm doing and saying. Well, again, I think that's manipulation. (laughs) And so we are all capable of manipulation no matter where we are in this picture. And I think that does present a huge challenge. And I love what you said, Barbara, that they're not, our expectation can't be for them to understand, but our expectation, you know, needs to be back on our Ourself as so, what can I do to continue to move toward this child to show love and to enfold and embrace them in ways that are meaningful to them without, uh, you know, compromising my own without dishonoring God, basically, which is what it comes down to. I think when we're in that moment of we, we can't agree, I don't think, uh, I mean, I think. Parents, we talked about this in the last podcast. I think parents often think too that if by loving their child and moving toward them, they're communicating to them, I agree with you. I don't think any child really thinks that. I never did. Never mm. thought my parents thought it was a good idea that I lived with a drug dealer. <laughs> like, who would ever think that? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I knew what they thought, but it was important to me to know that they also loved me. Uh, just the way I actually was, which I think is a desire that every human has to be loved for who you are, not for who somebody wants you to be. Yeah. I'm thinking of, especially when you're dealing with adult children, when they're making decisions that are anathema, you know, that you just feel like how in the world did they get to this point of, do I tell them that I know that what they're doing is wrong and I need to tell them and that I need to tell them again and I need to remind them again? Or do we say they know what we believe? They know we haven't changed in our position, but we're going to just love them as as much as we can without compromising our own faith. Um, I think sometimes, like you said earlier, that we are, we you may not use these words, but we are control freaks. And I think whether you're a parent or not, everybody, almost everybody is a control freak and trying to do and make things right. And if only I have this conversation, if only I have that conversation, if only I say this or do that, 
there's a freedom in knowing that that's not our responsibility anymore At, with adult children, especially, you know, that that's that we we've taught them, they know what we believe and now they have to make their own choices. And you've talked about that, Barbara, about outcome, you know, that there's something about the outcome that we're not responsible for the outcome. Correct? Incorrect? Did I hear you right? I think it's so important to take apart two things, and that is faithfulness to your calling as a parent and the outcome to your parenting. And we just naturally, I think it's just human. You know, you work hard in your job, there's a blessing there. You know, you plant a garden and you see the fruit, you know, so, and it's a biblical principle too. But when it comes to the human heart, like only the Lord changes it. The Lord can use us and does to teach our children, to help them learn to obey, to give them a feeling of safety and structure, to uh, teach them about him, all those things. And there is a blessing to all that, but there is nobody that changes a human heart except the Lord himself whether that heart is three or five or 15 or 25. And um, we just don't know the journey that the Lord is calling our children on. Shame is felt by Christian parents in particular because their children maybe aren't practicing Christians. Maybe they're not going to church. Those things really aren't our responsibility anymore. I'm when my oldest son, when he was 15, he was, he and his girlfriend would come to church and he said, I want you to give me the choice of whether to go to church or not, because then I'll have the joy of doing it on my own. <laughs> I said, well, you can have the joy of that for do it for that the rest of your life, but for now <laughs> you're going to church. <laughs> so, I mean, the, you know, so that's, that's fine, but you know, you can't micromanage how your 25-year-old spends his or her Sunday mornings, nor should you try, <laughs> I might add. I think there is something beautiful about the scriptures that say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I, I have come to the conclusion that that's my calling in this season of life and probably all throughout my life, but even more so now when, and, and that makes it more about me and my relationship to the Lord mm-hmm. than about somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know that look at what God has done in my life. And I invite you to come and, and get a glimpse of it and, mm-hmm. and see it. And so that it's inviting and there is a desire to know more about him, not me trying to make someone else change. And there is great freedom. You go back to it's him growing the fruit. Mm-hmm. And when we're planted in him, when we're in the vine, um, he is the one that is responsible for growing the fruit. And so we can safely say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good because it's all about him. So mm-hmm. unfortunately we have to wrap up our conversation. I could just talk for hours with both of you about this. And Barbara, I'd, I'd like for you to speak to that uh, mother who is really struggling. She's listening. She's resonating with everything we're saying. What hope, what encouragement, what instruction could you give to her to move toward experiencing the freedom of resting in the Lord as a parent, as a mother, and and letting go of the shame that she may be carrying? I think that the first thing I would say is this is one of the hardest struggles I've ever encountered. You can't talk yourself out of grief or sadness or the pain of feeling your child's rejection. 
and or your child's rejection of your faith. Those things are painful. And I would say that go to the Psalms, start with Psalm 13. It's so short. And it says, how long, O Lord, like four times in the first two verses. And pour out your heart to God and um, take your troubles directly to him. And then, um, you know, when you read the Psalms, you'll use a third of them are laments. And this is a lament. But also that lament goes to God and the way through it is remembering who God is and what he has done. And in Christ, we have so much to think about. So I would just say that that the focus, like what you just said, Sharon, is, you know, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, even in the middle of a deep sorrow, because it is to acknowledge the sorrow, I think can maybe lift the feeling of shame and guilt because it can get all mixed up together. Go to God with all those things and then find some folks who can keep pace with your grief and listen to you and not tell you about all the things that you should have done better. And then be watchful for what the Lord is doing right now. Like one step of faith and love you could take this day. Don't live without hope because God gave you these children on purpose. It's Acts 18 that says, you know, Paul says um, that God put you here at this exact time and this exact place so that you might turn to him. And I often think about that with our children, that despite my many failings, that I am just the right mother for these children. Barbara and Janie Ann, thank you so much for this conversation. You are listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And I, I know that I have a lot to think about. I've taken a lot of notes even during our conversation. And you can go to markinc.org to the program notes. And I'm going to include the links to the books that have been mentioned in our conversation. You can learn more about Barbara and Janie Ann there as well. We'll have their bios so that you can get connected to them a little bit better. But again, I'm just so grateful for the transparency and the wisdom that has come in this conversation. So we'd love to hear from you. Reach out and tell us what you think. If this has been encouraging to you, pass it on to your friends. You can also download our free Help and Hope app. Go to the App Store, put in Help and Hope free download and subscribe to the Help and Hope podcast. Make sure you push notifications so that you get an alert every time we release a new one, which we do on a regular basis. So I'm Sharon Betters. Thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to you joining us again. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org. M-A-R-K-I-N-C dot org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.